Welcome to KC Corner episode 147. Um, it's been a, uh, a tough week and, and we're not going to open up with sports or anything like that. It's definitely been a tough week in, the, in, this, in our nation. It really has. You know, uh, way too often do we hear of, uh, you know, tragic shootings and anytime a school's involved, it's even much more tragic in the loss of young kids' lives. Now here's an elementary school in Nashville. You know, Brooks, Nashville's a... Uh, you know, nothing safe. You know, mm-hmm. you, you feel like Nashville is kind of the Bible Belt, and it's going to be a, a safe place, a Christian school, uh, school same denomination that you went to, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of hits toward home, doesn't it? It absolutely does. I mean, it it made me think of when I was in school, and I feel like these shootings and tragedies have happened more often recently. Uh, and back then, I just I kept thinking about how. All those doors were unlocked when we were in school. They could have walked right on campus. Uh, we yeah. we didn't think anything of it, and that was only eight nine years ago. Um, so it, it it is a tragedy, that's for sure. I remember that we really had to double down on, on locking doors and getting security officers and things like that. And sadly, you need to do them. You know, and another thing, Brooks, is we live in a time where you know I've seen pictures, and I'm sure you did too, of of the 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 cow, the lady gunman who came in and. You know how ominous to see her picture there with a gun, and you see the the, the footage from the police department coming in. Mm-hmm. And apparently, they did phenomenal work and quickly responded. Um, and so, I don't know what that does to us because you know, in, in years past, you just kind of would hear the story and you wouldn't know, but now it's like you could see it. Like you know, it's uh, but how tragic, you mm-hmm. know, and for a pastor to lose his daughter and. It sounds like the headmaster was very heroic in her uh, attempt to try to bring safety and move toward the, the gunman. And, but all in all, horrific. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? And I, I even hear a lot of the noise that's coming out now about the left side of things, you know, criticizing different things and the right side of things, criticizing different things. And, you know, what, what is the response? Everybody wants to know, how do we stop it? Mm-hmm. Come back, Lord Jesus, you know? And I really feel like the traction of the kingdom of God, uh, the movement of the kingdom of God is our greatest hope. It's, it's a greater hope than controlling guns or anything else. It's controlling sin because it will never eradicate it until Jesus comes back. But if we live in submission to Christ, our King more and more, and if the kingdom advances, that's the healthiest thing that could happen. But you know, there's no easy answers to this. And one of the things that I read from Scott Sauls, a pastor in the Nashville area, which is it's time to weep and it's not time to explain. We don't know. You know, we know that God is sovereign over every square inch. We know that God is able. We know that God turns the hearts of kings any way he wants. We know that God could have and why God didn't stop, you know, things or or caused uh, his providence to be different. And, you know, how do we pick up the pieces? And, uh, um, how do we go on? And I loved, you know, I read that article by Scott Sauls. Um, I wish I could give you the name of it, but it basically says in the ending, and he quoted C.S. Lewis, uh, Grief Observed, and he mm-hmm. quoted another book that I really loved, The Lament for the Son. I say loved. It was painfully good of a Christian man writing about the death of a son. Um, but all that to say is because it's still sad, we know that we're not at the end because mm-hmm. we know at the end that Jesus will come back and there will be no more tears and sorrows and shootings and, you know, uh, but, oh yeah, it's, it's bad. I know. And every, you know, you want to read about it and see what happened. And every story seems like there's an agenda on either side and it's just 
can we just you know relax and and you know uh, realize these people's pain and not try and prove a point on either side uh, here? Like let's let's just let let the story happen and and not have to argue anything. Um, I know I haven't listened to it yet, but my wife Amy listened to it yesterday. It was Ali Beth Stuckey's podcast? She did a full hour on it. Said it was a it's definitely a tearjerker. It's a heavy listen, but does a good job of you know covering it and and the the sovereignty of the Lord will you know um, will come through. It will, and it's it's hard. It's hard to. It's an equation that doesn't make sense to us, mm-hmm. and uh, and it you know I wish I could say hey that's the last one that we'll ever have to endure, but life felt different this week. It felt it felt heavier. I mean, it felt to me as I'm driving home a loss of innocence or a loss of something that you know maybe time will 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 heal, but you know for some people that'll never heal. I mean, mm-hmm. a loss of a child is. That's a, until Jesus comes or you go to glory, that's a forever whole. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And kind of what we talk about today in our Bible recap is a lot of uh, how, how the Lord will come back and make all things new um, and wipe every tear away and that uh, we're not meant for this world. We, we long for eternity. We long for perfection. And, and it kind of talks about that in the chapters and books that we cover today. Amen. It's really good. So let's say hey, you want to jump in. Let's jump in. All right. Let's so we're in. in Matthew 24 and 25, and it really is talking a lot about that blessed end times, but we know blessed for some and not for others. It's mm-hmm. a time of judgment. And it's a, uh, and I, let me, I want to jump in Brooks kind of where Jesus himself says, Hey, this is going to all happen at a time where no one knows what the father, I mean, mm-hmm. angels aren't sure the son doesn't know. And so there's a mystery. So let's just start off with saying that you and I are not going to solve that mystery today. Mm-hmm. And that uh, there's a mystery to the end times. When I get to Matthew 24 and 25, you know, I, I scratch my head. There's references to Daniel. The book of Daniel is one of the harder ones for me, prophecy wise. And uh, um, the tone definitely changes from the first 23 chapters of, of Matthew. That's for sure. You know, we had Palm Sunday that we covered last week and all of a sudden Jesus's tone changes, the parables that he uses changes and it just flips a switch right there. Yeah. Amen. And, and it does flip a switch. And even some of the verbiage is that you try to read is like, Hey, a lot of these events are going to happen in this generation. And mm-hmm. so, okay. You want to say, well, clearly not everything happened. And, and some of the, it's like, okay, does this happen when Jesus is crucified, does this happen uh, when he comes again? Is this, when, when does this all happen? So there, there's clearly a, uh, um, a, a still a fog that mm-hmm. is a part of this, that Jesus is allowing to still have a part of it. But, you know, uh, he's going to say, hey, in the end, the temple will be destroyed. We know that that happened in that generation. It was AD 70, the temple was destroyed. And here's mm-hmm. some of the signs of his coming. And I wonder when the disciples ask, you know, what what are some of the signs? What did it mean to them? And I know we don't have to unpack that too much, but there they were with Jesus. You mm-hmm. know, they, they still at this time probably didn't know, really understand the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, what was this going to happen? So if you, if you just crack open your Bible and start reading Matthew 24, you may think you're in Revelation. Some of the some yeah. of the words that it's using and talking about the end times. But, you know, at the end of some of those uh, parables that he says or things that Jesus is saying is, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So it's not all, it's not all doom and gloom, that's for sure. That, that's, that's true. And I think the the bottom line is, hey, the end is coming. Be on your watch. Some mm-hmm. of the parables like of the ten virgins and stuff like that is, this might be a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this might take some time. And those who aren't ready uh, are going to be sadly, sorely surprised and they're going to miss out. So mm-hmm. 
I, I read another I read another great article a friend of mine sent me. Um, it came out of John Piper's church. It wasn't from John. It was from one of his staff that said, come Lord Jesus. It just talked about how the church has kind of lost the ability to really get excited about a second coming. That we're, are we looking over the wall for him coming back? Uh, or is it so distant like, ah, yeah, whatever, one day we're not even thinking about that. But uh, I think we do got to stay, keep on our watch. And mm-hmm. we gotta, do have to be hopeful. And I know that even that come Lord Jesus was part of my response to the shootings, you know, mm-hmm. just like, Lord, please come bring an end to this. This is this is horrible. Yeah, and I think end times is definitely a topic that uh, it can be debated and one of those ancillary topics that in the Bible it says don't get in arguments over. There's, you know, things that we want to focus on the core of the gospel and you could argue all day about end times and watch conspiracy videos on YouTube and everything. So it's, it's one of those things that you can end it with just be on your watch and be hopeful um, and we can all agree on that. It's, it's so true. And, you know, and, and then there, there were a couple of interesting teachings too, uh, as far as like the uh, parable of the talents, the one who had mm-hmm. the five, uh, the, the, was it the two? The, the servants, the three, uh, the, their master the left, uh, left the first servant that was like his best servant, five talents. Yeah. The next one, two talents. Yeah. And then the next one, just one talent. And, you know, and it's, it's interesting to me is the one who had five multiplied to 10. Mm-hmm. And the one who had two doubled their, theirs as yeah. well. And then the one who had one buried it. He mm-hmm. said, you know, I'm, I'm worried, so I'll bury it. I don't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. And he's called wicked, you mm-hmm. wicked servant. And so here's my point. And I, I think I might have mentioned this over the years of our Casey Corner is what God has given to us, let us invest in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do we have to to multiply the kingdom? You know, what talent did he give us that that we're trying to use to not just promote our name and our, our comfort and our ease, but for him? And that's... That, that burns inside of me as a church pastor. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what is God given King's Chapel? Mm-hmm. And how do we multiply that? And how do we make sure we're not burying it? Mm-hmm. And then interesting, the last thing I'll say about this is, is that in the 25, it also talks about that parable of the sheep and goats mm-hmm. where, you know, uh, it's so interesting. He's going to separate them by those who, when they saw him hungry, fed him. When they saw him naked, clothed him. When they saw him in need move toward him and they're they're both going to say both the sheep and the goats are going to say wait 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 when when did this happen when did we see you like this and he's going to say what you've done for the least of these you've done for me clearly we're not saved by our philanthropy and what we do but if we're christians we are caring about the poor we are feeding those in need Uh, and and and, uh i'm reading tim keller's uh biography right now and it's just what shaped his um, his spiritual life going into New York City was, hey, we're going to be a church that not just preaches the uh, uh, evangelism, the gospel, uh, and it's not just meet the needs of the poor. We want to passionately do both. We want to make sure we have the gospel preached, and we want to make sure that we're loving and nurturing those in the need in our community. And I think that, you know, goes back to that sheep and goats. I mean, I think that, you know, we're preaching Christ, but we're also feeding the poor. Mm-hmm. We're all, we're called to do that all throughout the Bible. That's for sure. Yeah, That's absolutely. For sure. Uh, move on to Romans. Oh man, some deep waters. <laughs> yes. There, huh? Three chapters of deep waters, Romans six through eight. That's six, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Romans six is this beautiful, our union with Christ. Uh, it's, it's really saying, Hey, we shouldn't continue to sin that we've died to sin um, because we've been baptized into Christ. And it's this beautiful picture, Brooks, is that of, it's really of Jesus's, I'm going to use the phrase, our federal head, the Jesus, mm-hmm. our representative, 
as his life goes, so our life goes. And as we have lived with him, we died with him. Our sin, we are to die to sin. We've been resurrected. We've been raised with Christ, united in his resurrection. And the whole point, Paul is saying, hey, you're no longer under the law. You're under grace. You mm -hmm. know, live your life differently now. You know, we, we, uh, the, the power and the penalty of sin has been broken and paid. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, live your life uh, for God's glory. Um, but again, I, I love how how Paul tells us that we have been baptized with Christ, and, and we've been in a, in, a, in, a, in a real sense buried with Him. Uh, that we were resurrected with Him. That 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 gives us our life. Mm -hmm. I love how he says you're free from the slavery of sin, and he says, "But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, mm -hmm. and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." Slaves and just that that being the, that feeling of, of we're set free from sin is uh, it, it feels like you have a weight off your back. That's for sure. Amen. <laughs> and you know, and then trying to figure out what does it mean to be a slave to righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, really and. Boy, I was convicted when you read that. It's like, am I a slave to that? You know, mm -hmm. am I? Is that a is that a priority in my life? I mean, because I've been set free, and, and it's kind of like the house has been cleaned, and now fill it with good things, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah. And it's uh, especially Romans six. As I was skimming through it, it's a it's a little bit of a tough read and kind of wordy. You have to like go couple couple yeah. words at a time. Like, okay, I get what he's saying yeah. now. They've set free from sin, yeah. slave to righteousness. Like you have to go, you know, section by section with it. It really he uses a lot of parallelisms. Mm -hmm. He uses a lot of connections with our union with Christ. He uses a lot of you know kind of uh, con contrasting sin and grace. And yeah, it's it's a. But it's so good. It is so good. It's so good. It is so good. And then Romans 7, if you're ready to go, mm -hmm. is that, that one section to me um, where Paul becomes more human, uh, you know, because he seems to be like this magnificent Christian, unlike Peter, who's always knuckleheading it up, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but it's Paul saying, you know, hey, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate doing, I do. You know, why Why am I doing these things? And uh you know, oh, woe is me. I mean, I, I, I want to do the law. I, I'm breaking the law. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a big uh, controversy over this chapter. Is this the Paul before his conversion or the Paul after his conversion? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, it's the Paul after his conversion because there's no struggle to do the right thing. Although he was a Pharisee, he was mm -hmm. doing it for the wrong reasons. I mean, he was, he was self-righteous and whatever. But um, I feel it's a, really the struggle once you become a believer of like, hey, I've been set free from the law of sin. I got this. I should be pursuing righteousness, but I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. So, you know. he, he's, he's crying out for help. And at the end there, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Which is just a, a funny way to put it. And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like that's the only person who can get me out of this mess that can save me. And what a great pivot. And he goes right to then, then right after that, it is, is remember, there's no chapter breaks in the original. There's no. That came later, so he's mm -hmm. still writing. And then right after there, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, what an amazingly beautiful way to start chapter 8. And again, I think chapter 8, Romans 8 alone, could be one of those ones, Brooks, that if you had on a desert island, you only had one uh, mm -hmm. chapter of Scripture, 
maybe you want chapter eight. Yeah, know? it was a, it was a couple of years ago. Now we were uh, me, Caleb, and your son-in-law Todd were fishing, and he brought up that on the renewing your mind, like RC Sproul podcast, they put out it was like four sequential days, and it was all on Romans chapter eight. And I went and listened to them, and it's it's one if there's someone that's not a Christian, you point them to that book. It's a great reminder to read all the time, and it's it's a great book, that's for sure. It is it is incredible. I mean, it, it tells us so much. It reminds us of uh, that we have. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus that we've been set free. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, in Romans 8, it's going to talk about uh, the spirit of God that has been given to us that uh, allows us to cry out, Abba, Father, um, you know, just brings us to the to, to, to uh, our great God and, and this adoption that we have, our sonship in Christ Jesus. It's so it's so beautiful. And also in 8, it's going to remind us that even creation itself is crying out. Uh, it's subjection, it, it's verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of, of God. It's basically saying, you know, creation's groaning, waiting mm-hmm. for the end days too. I mean, it's just that, that curse to be finally reversed. And um but then you get into the end of this. You know, I'm kind of jumping in. You want to jump yeah, in? I mean, yeah, and it, kind of what we were talking about earlier um, with what happened in Nashville. For the people that say, you know, combat Christianity of how could God let this happen? Um, it, for in verse 16, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And what you're saying of even creation groans to be restored. This is yeah. this is not what it was meant to be at all. That we're living in a broken world, and that's what um, those people you know need to understand of that. This isn't their hope at all. Yeah, yeah. A- a- amen. And it's a uh... Boy, is it they're they're experiencing brokenness like never before. Mm-hmm. Right? But but it reminds us that hey, we're more than conquerors in Christ. I mean, that's what's gonna remind us. There's this beautiful golden chain that you know, those whom God predestined, he called, those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified, and that's in the past tense. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a done deal. Although we haven't experienced yet, we will be glorified. God'll never let us go. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand it, but he will work all things together for good for those who love the Lord and call according to his purpose. I mean, that's Romans 8:28, and he's had to redefine to me what good is and 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 maybe that won't all unwind until we get to glory. But I want to walk in faith. You know what? All things will work t- together for the good. And I do love him by his grace. And and I and I love that uh, that he's going to bring that to fruition and uh you know for his glory for for our good is really good stuff mm-hmm. and then to be reminded we're more than conquerors in christ and what brooks can separate us from the love of christ nothing that's where i was going to go next uh, 37 through 39 yeah isn't that fantastic mm-hmm. will you go bro mm-hmm. so, yeah. no no and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful stuff. You, you know, and I think pastorally, if I if there's one thing you could press into somebody uh, that, you know, a, a sheep that you love. Um, is that we understand that nothing will separate us from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we think, oh man, I, I messed up. And our communion with God, our sin might 
you take away our communion with God, but our union with God in Christ Jesus will never be separated. He'll mm -hmm. never stop loving us, never give up on us in Christ Jesus. There's such freedom. There's such joy in that, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, and uh, Romans 8 is like listening to your favorite song, and maybe it's like a ballad that's like six minutes long where it's a nice build up, build up, build up, and then that crescendo of Romans 8. That's kind of what it is to the Bible of it's a gigantic book filled with other smaller books. Yeah. And when you get to Romans 8, it's the, it's the big chorus that everyone knows. That's awesome. I like that <laughs> image, Brooks. That's fantastic. I mean, back in my days, we bought albums. You know, that would be the best track on the album. You know? Oh, yeah. Sometimes yep. you have to flip it over to hear mm -hmm. it. You know? Yeah, exactly. But once you got that on there, it's like, oh, this is awesome. I love that, Brooks. <laughs> really good stuff. And, and knowing you, it might be an, a Matchbox 20 song. It might be a Matchbox 20 <laughs> song. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, good stuff. Well, listen, if, if, if you haven't read Romans 8 recently, um, just sit down right now and read Romans 8. It's yes, absolutely. So, so beautiful. <laughs> so um, on to the Psalms. Yeah. You know, Psalms, uh, uh, you know, again, love the fact that we were Psalms 55 through 60, by the way. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. And, you know, Psalm 55, just a reminder, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And that parallels what is said by Peter in First Peter five seven. Cast your burdens upon the Lord, because He cares for you. And, mm -hmm. and you know, Brooks, isn't it great to know that our God says, "Don't carry your junk; uh, just uh, mm -hmm. cast them on me." And, and, and it's a there's constant reminders, especially through the Psalms, but they're all out of "Cast your burdens on me." Where, nowhere does it say deal with, deal with this one yourself. Like when this happens, deal with this yourself. Uh, yeah, which I which I absolutely love. So love that. And then fifty six, I love. Uh, as well, it's you know it says in verse three, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, mm -hmm. and God I trust. And I, I, I've often thought, is that where we got it from our coins? And God I trust. Mm -hmm. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then it'll go on to say in verse nine, this I know that God is for me. I mean, oh, Brooks, if God is for us, who can be against us? It says it in Romans eight. It mm -hmm. ties it back in. I mean. If he's on our side, we got the winning side. We got the ultimate champion. We mm -hmm. got the ultimate power, the one who all authority and power has been given to Jesus. And, you know, if he's on our side, and I love the fact, this I know that God is for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that I that if we understand that verse, we can get through anything. If, mm -hmm. if God is for me. And then he's going to recap again and say, in, in God whose word I praise and the Lord whose word I praise and God, I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And as a people pleaser, uh, as somebody who often fears about not being liked or, or whatever, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, you don't forget, you know, what, what can man do if God's mm -hmm. on my side? So yeah, I, I love 56. We, we, we live in some broken flesh, but realizing that uh, no one is perfect out there, that we're all broken flesh, it, it definitely helps ease that burden a little bit. It, it, exactly. We're broken for us. And even in 56, he says, hey, you kept count of my my tossings and my tears you put in a Bible. Mm -hmm. Are they not in your book? He knows of our tossings. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, what did we already say? Cast your burdens on me. I know what you're going through and I love you and I'm for you. It's, I like, and I just read it in 56, how he ends it is, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. And just mm. the reminder of what we've kind of just been reading through Leviticus and number all numbers, all those offerings and the yeah, things yeah. that they had to do yeah. of like, you're doing all this for me. He's crying out for help and, uh, you know, re, uh, you know, leaning on God for help. And at the end he goes, I, I have to perform my vows now. And what is the most vow is the Thanksgiving mm -hmm. just to say, Hey, thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, just got to look for what he's done. It's mm -hmm. so good. 
All right. Well, 57, um, be merciful. He cries out, you know, be merciful. My soul takes refuge in me. But I love, I think it's verse two. I cry out to the God most high, to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, that that's repeated in Psalm 138.8. And I, I, uh, the thought that God will fulfill his purpose in me. I, I wrestle a lot. You know, what am I fulfilling my purpose? Am I living? How, what, what do I need to do better? How do I need to? And, you know, the peace that God's hand is on me. And, you know, he's going to accomplish in me what he wants. And I don't leave it all to him. I mean, I want to seek and find that out and be all I can be for Jesus. But I love the fact that the God who fulfills his purpose for me, especially when my life pivoted and I had such a different change and, and all of a sudden a different looking ministry, it's like, ah, yeah, this is part of God's plan. And mm -hmm. this is, uh, he's fulfilling his purpose for me. I can definitely tell where I started reading like Romans 7 and 8 is my Psalms uh, notes definitely went downhill and didn't have as many on these. <laughs> uh, it took all my brain power on the Romans. It felt like I had a workout or something. I don't think my brain had much left after Well, that's okay. You know, it's a, listen, it happens to all. So, hey, you know, 57, 58, you know, it reminds me sing of his strength, his steadfast love in the morning. That's 59. I hope that we always wake up and sing of his strength and his love in the morning. What a way to start our day and to be reminded. So, uh, it's it's good stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they just continue to remind us that, that you know God is with us and God is for us. So mm -hmm. um, love it. Absolutely. And, and uh, I think that's it. I mean, just in sixty, it's just going to tell us that with God we can do violently. Mm -hmm. We can do nothing without Him. So, mm -hmm. and then we dropped into numbers. Numbers. There was some um, uh, some crazy stuff that happened. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this. You know, I think that's a perfect way to start. We are going to be in Numbers 21 through 32, and let me just tell you, there are some crazy things that happen in the book of Numbers. Yes, and in Numbers 21, where the Israelites are groaning and complaining and saying how much they hate that they hate their food, they have no water, and you know, this is this we kind of hit on it last week of the grumblings of the Israelites, and they they definitely continue on here. That's for sure. They really do, and then because of their grumbling, uh, you know, there's going to be a plague that breaks out. It's a really interesting one. I mean, this is the uh, the scorpions or what? what the what, the what, serpents. The serpents are, mm -hmm. are, 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 are the fiery serpents. Is, is the man. yeah the and, fiery uh, serpents was were sent to um, you know their camps, and many of them were bit. Uh, sounds like they were poisonous. And to heal them, uh, the, the Lord told Moses to build a bronze uh, serpent statue. And if they look upon it, uh, they'd be healed. Uh, and kind of foreshadowing the cross that way. Beautiful, Brooks. There you I go. I got it. you. I, I got it. you. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting that they, he said build a, uh, a bronze serpent and lift it up. Mm -hmm. um, because... What I want to say is, isn't that idolatry? Yeah. I mean, you know, why? even as I was saying that, I'm like, this sounds weird. <laughs> it, it, it does sound weird, and you know, interesting that the the show, The Chosen, mm -hmm. one of the intros shows this scene, and I can't even remember why because this is an Old Testament scene, but they were showing um, uh, uh, the making of uh, Moses making this serpent, and Joshua saying, "What are you doing? You're making an idol. What are you doing?" The Lord told me to do this. Mm -hmm. The Lord told me to do this. And we're going to lift this up and people are going to look and be saved. And again, you know, so here you have a curse that the way you're healed is to have something lifted up that you look at to be saved. And ultimately, as you said, it's going to be the cross. Jesus uh, dying on the cross for us as we look to him as our savior. Uh, the curse of sin and death is 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 uh, assuaged. Is, is oh, there you go. That's uh, a nice word. Uh, Yes, indeed. Um, 
All right, but then we get into man, one of my favorites. We got Shrek. We got the talking donkey. We yes, got, uh, and and so I, and I was telling you this before in chapter twenty-two with Balaam. Uh, I I read this. I'm just like I have no recollection of ever reading this in my entire life. It's the next it. like three or four chapters. I don't know how, but uh, go for it. <laughs> well, you know, so here you have uh, uh, Balak, uh, this king who sees um, all of the Israelites uh, just wandering into the, in the wilderness and they're very close to his territory and he he's going to ask this prophet Balaam to curse his enemies and so um and it's interesting the Lord's going to intervene and say hey you better not say anything that I don't tell you you can only say and Balaam's going to say I can only say what the Lord tells me and it makes me wonder what's his relationship Balaam's going to be killed and so mm-hmm. I mean I don't believe he's a follower of Yahweh but somehow Yahweh's hands the Lord's hands in this so you know, he eventually is going. Um, he says, okay, I'll, I'll go. Uh, but the Lord said, don't say anything I didn't tell you to. And his donkey sees the angel of the Lord, you know, with a sword in, mm-hmm. in the way. And the donkey's like not going. And, and Balaam's whooping his donkey and yelling at the donkey. And the donkey talks to him. The donkey says, why are you beating me? And I just love the fact that I could just hear Eddie Murphy's Shrek <laughs> voice, the donkey. You know, in the morning, the, we're making waffles. In the morning, we're making waffles. <laughs> and so, but I don't know what I love more, the donkey talking or the fact that Balaam starts arguing. <laughs> he talks back to him. Mm-hmm. He's yelling at him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's like, arguing with an ass. He's arguing with an ass. I mean, he is... Uh, you know, it just it just it just so drips with with humor and irony and and here, you know, he's arguing with his donkey. His donkey's like, "Hey, haven't I been faithful to you? What, what are you doing beating me?" And so, uh, um, so basically, Balaam will go and look at God's people, and the promises that God made to Abraham come true. Um, those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. And all that Balaam can do is bless God's people. And so Balak thinks, well, maybe you're looking at the wrong direction. Here's a superstition. Let's go to this place. Let's offer a, a, a sacrifice. Let's see him from this angle, see him from this angle. And he repeatedly blesses him, blesses him, blesses him. And Balak is like, you moron. I mean, I brought you in. I'm paying you all this money. I'd pay you more. And uh, it's an interesting story of, uh, I love the fact that God's hands on his people and He's going to protect them. But what is I love about God's word is immediately after the story of Balaam's unsuccessful, or really Balak's desire to have Balaam curse them, is in chapter 25, the Moabite women seduce Israel. What would not happen through a curse happened through their own sin and perversion that the Moabite women uh, seduced the Israelite men to not only have relations with them, but to worship with them. And, and then a plague, another plague pops up, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, Phineas, the priest has to do some pretty drastic things. I Mm -hmm. mean, kill two people, a man and a woman in the act of a sinful act, uh, to help bring an end to that. And to me, it's like, we got to be so we got to be so on our guard, Brooks, because there's an enemy that wants to curse us. That's out there that, that hates Christians, but there's also the seduction inside of us that's so drawn to the world. And mm-hmm. you know, here you have uh, God protecting them from this man cursing them, but you know their own sinfulness entices them into a really bad path. 
and it draws it back to what, where we started with Matthew 24 of, you know, Jesus saying, be ready, be on guard. And, and these are the things that will happen. And we live in that broken world where we will always be enticed and ourselves will uh, uh, lead us astray as well. Yeah. And, 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 and let's go back to Romans 8 and say, thank God that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Let's go back to Romans 6, but say that we've been set free from the law of sin. Mm-hmm. May we be truly uh, a part of pursuing righteousness. And, mm-hmm. um, and the only other thing I have with numbers, really, I mean, you, you'll see this is not the only last thing, but Joshua is going to succeed Moses. And uh, that's going to be toward the end of where we read toward 32, I believe. But there's also this story in 27. Of, I don't know how to pronounce this name. <laughs> Zelophefad. Yeah, that's Z- good. Zelo. We'll call him Zelo. Zelo. Zelo's daughters um, who didn't have any, uh, there was no male inheritance for them to make sure they have right in the land. And they're mm-hmm. like, uh-oh, we're going to miss out because, you know, the, the, the land is going to go through this male line. We aren't going to have it. We're going to lose my father's line. He's not going to have a place. And they petitioned Moses and he, he asked the Lord. The Lord's like, yeah, they're right. You know, don't lose that name. And here's my point. Um, it's really important that, that in the promised land, that each name is represented and that that land, whether it's the year of Jubilee, it never gets, never gets transferred. You'd never want to lose your spot in the promised land. And, and my point in that is I think the bigger picture of scripture is he won't lose one of his sheep. And it's each one of our names is really important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that he's going to make sure that our, our place, uh, is going to, it's going to stand. So all throughout, you know, when you're reading some of these, uh, oddball stories and and things in the old testament they there's a point to all of them and there's there's a parallel to all of them that's for sure and there's there's one of them and that's one of them and some of them are a little harder to take out yeah uh, sometimes it's a it's a stretch (laughs) or we're still searching exactly and so it's so true but uh but all in all you listen when we talk about matthew and the gospel and the end times we talk about all the beautiful things in romans and the hope of casting our burdens and that god that, that uh uh, what are we afraid of if he's for us? What can man do to us? Uh, there's some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Talking donkeys. Bro. Talking donkeys. You know, <laughs> in the morning we're going to make waffles. I'm going to make waffles. Yeah, that's so good. Um, <laughs> that is awesome. That all is right, awesome. Brooksy boy. Well, it looks like we got another one. Oh, you're going to ask me any uh, King's Chapel updates. I, I was going to ask you any King's Chapel updates. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the biggest thing is Sunday starts Holy Week. Mm-hmm. So, Palm Sunday this Sunday, and then we're going to have, uh, a, I'm real excited for our Monday Thursday service on Thursday, a week from tomorrow mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. Um, as we remember the last seven words or the last seven phrases from the cross of Jesus. Um, and then Easter, we got our, our sunrise at, at 7 a.m. and we have a, uh, a 1030 worship service. Cannot wait. It should be great. So important, exciting stuff coming up with holy week oh yeah oh yeah great week great week coming up and lots of things happening in king's chapel absolutely so jump in uh, anywhere you can and uh and i heard some some kc groups are going to continue on their group even past the, the yeah, deadline date do some extra some homework rebels, <laughs> some rebels who saying we're well, not done yet so we'll, we'll see if that keeps going so i love the people want to get together gather around god's word it's oh yeah stuff. just because kc group season ends doesn't mean you guys have to stop seeing it's, each it's other exactly <laughs> still playing catch so, well that sounds it. good that's all i have this week all right. It sounds good. Blessings, Brooks. See you guys.